Sometimes the natural world is gross, sexy, horrifying, violent, and all those other words you look for in late night TV. This show is intended for mature audiences. You have been warned. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> hey, I'm Alec. Hey, I'm Emily. And I'm Leigh. And this week we are talking about foxes. Yay! They're one of my favorites. I'm so happy. They are stinking cute. They're so very cute. A lot less weird than I assumed, although I have been informed that you found some really good facts for that. So, not just cute, but also... A little, a little horrifying. Yes, I am absolutely gleeful about the fact that I found. It's disturbing, and you might think, well, this happens in other animals. This isn't anything special or interesting, but if you, if you ask, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. It's, it's different. (laughs) All right, so uh, do you want to give us our 90-second overview about if you have never heard of a fox before, what they are? Yep, I'm going to give you a brief summary of what foxes are, and this is the family zoo-setting-friendly version of it that we would typically, as zoo educators, give to people uh, without all of these stranger facts. All right, count me off. Three, two, one, go. Foxes are small to medium-sized canids with flattened skulls, elongated pointy noses, triangular upright ears, semi-retractable claws, and large bushy tails. There are 12 species of true foxes in the genus Vulpes, but overall there are about 25 species that are at least sometimes called foxes. With around 47 subspecies, the red fox is by far the most common and widespread species. Foxes are a highly adaptable group of animals, and as such, they can be found on every continent except Antarctica. They live in a variety of habitats, from frozen tundras to forests to cities and even deserts. The one place you won't find true foxes is tropical ecosystems. Having the reputation of being scavenging loners, foxes often do live solitary lives outside mating season. In areas that are heavily populated, foxes living in small family units are common. Most species are generalist omnivores and eat what they can find, which is part of what helps them thrive in so many ecosystems, along with their excellent camouflage. They eat a variety of insects, small mammals, birds, reptiles, eggs, and vegetation. When food is plentiful, foxes will often cache their food and store it for later. Most foxes are monogamous, but exceptions do happen. They dig dens, and if their litters are large enough, they divide their kits among dens to minimize the chance that the entire litter will be found by predators. Both parents care for kids, and for foxes that live communally, adults will often care for kids that aren't their own. Foxes are very vocal, with at least 19 unique sounds, but they don't vocalize in groups like other canids. Foxes act as important pest control for the ecosystems in which they live, and they even act as seed dispersers through the fruit and vegetation they eat. And that's it. That's my fox talk. Fox talk. (laughs) I didn't know that, that they disperse the kits among different groups. Yeah. yeah. Now, they don't always, because sometimes they'll only have a single kit, but um, especially, like, Arctic foxes can have up to 11 kits. So for um, foxes that have a lot of kits in a single litter, they will divide them up, and they'll go from den to den. That's Neat. really cool. hmm Foxes are, they're very... They just, they want to survive. They're good at surviving. Mm -hmm. And so they will split up their kits so that some of them hopefully survive. That's interesting that they go from like super communal to solitary, you know, after joining together to help each other out during the kitting season, I guess you would say, (laughs) um, to then just kind of living on their own. That's pretty cool. It it depends. Now, the interesting thing is we just went from bats and there were so many species of bats that did basically everything. Um, Foxes also have 
a lot of diversity in how they behave and act, but in smaller sets of species, they're just found in so many different ecosystems that they do a lot of different things. So like Arctic foxes, again, will be solitary outside of mating season and other foxes will be as well, but some will just stay in small family units, not even just in mating season. Wow. So speaking of mating season, uh, that actually leads into my <laughs> first fun fact. <laughs> what does the fox say, Alec? Me, 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 me. No, we're not singing. Oh, no, no, it. no singing from me. Because okay. we just got approved for Spotify, and if we put licensed music on there, then we would take it off. Oh dear, I was not singing the song. I was, was just mimicking something. You're mimicking a fox. Yeah, absolutely. Anyways, <laughs> nothing can be proven. So. Foxes, their mating season is from roughly late December to early March, and that is the time of year you are most likely to hear them because they scream. They scream a lot. They scream during different times and in different pieces of mating season. Foxes, like you were saying, tend to be solitary or live in small family groups. So to find a mate, that's going to be someone living far off from them. They need to scream so they can hear them. So the female fox called a vixen will scream. And then the male, known as a dog, will bark in response. Uh, they'll meet up. If she rejects him, she will then change to snarling, which will most of the time drive him off. If she accepts him, though, no courtship. They just get straight down to it. They just get busy and loud again because the dog's penis will swell, causing them to be locked together on average 20 minutes, sometimes over an hour. And during this period, the victim starts screaming again. Oh, no. So if you're hearing screaming from late December to early March outside for potentially over an hour, you know what is happening. That's horrifying. Yeah, you're welcome. I, I imagine that, you know, screaming to find a mate, foxes aren't the only ones that do that. I mean, I learned that sloths will actually scream as well. Really? To, yeah, to find mates and stuff. There's a cool video, I think, from one of the BBC Planet Earth things of um, a male sloth is actually seen swimming because he hears a female sloth yelling or screaming <laughs> and he's trying to find her. So, I mean... Save it. Save it for our sloth episode. No, I know. I know. I'm bringing it back. I'm bringing it back. But the fact that they keep screaming, that's just like, that's really terrifying. Also, like things can eat them too. So you could be stuck together. One of you is screaming, and then a predator comes by, and then other screaming starts. But they do create pheromones. So for foxes that are solitary, um, the males will typically have territories that overlap with at least one female. So they secrete pheromones from, I think, um, their muzzles, like around their whiskers, Mm -hmm. and they can use that to find mates. So why don't they just do that? Because more equals more chances to find someone, I guess. And also get eaten. Because, yeah, I guess that that would be my biggest concern, too, is, like, if you're vocalizing that much and then you continue to vocalize while you're stationary, that just seems like a really bad idea. It does, but somehow it works. There's a reason foxes only live one to four years in the wild. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> if they just keep their sex lives to themselves, they might live even longer. Who knows? Were you able to find anything as to why 
they do that? Is there any, I don't, because obviously we can't ask the fox or like, I don't know if we, it'd be interesting to see what's happening in their brain when this is going on. Like, what is the function? What's the purpose? Only purpose I could find was for locating. And then when they're stuck together, some hypotheses are just, they're so startled. Startled. (laughs) Of being stuck together for 20 minutes to over an hour. I scream too. I don't blame them. That's horrific. (laughs) Yeah. There wasn't any studies backing that up. It just seemed to be conjecture of, Mm-hmm. Well, if I was stuck with someone that I just met for 20 minutes like that, I'd fair. probably scream too. Yeah. So, yeah, fair. Yeah, normal mating and stuff doesn't last very long because they want to get away and they're very vulnerable and they just want to do it and move on. So the fact that they not only are stuck for a long amount of time, but now they have a big red flag. Ugh. Yeah. They didn't think this through. No. Damn it, evolution. <sighs> <Man>. <laughs> Evolution just continually lets me down. Why aren't there metal-plated tortoises? <laughs> that was exactly the one I was going to point out, was metal-plated tortoises. Save me from this hell with your fox fact. Oh, all right then, yeah. So uh, moving on from that, uh, I found some cool smaller tidbits that together actually relate to the holiday season obviously in december christmas is coming up during christmas time we'll exchange gifts also during hanukkah and other holidays around this time as well so it's actually been observed by some people that foxes may leave gifts for people a couple of different types of gifts one woman actually wrote to her local newspaper and said Uh, hey, I noticed that there was this gift left on my front porch, and I think it's some sort of poop, but I don't know if it came from a fox or a dog because it doesn't really match the size, and it was later determined that it might have been fox poop. So occasionally foxes will poop outside of people's houses, like in the porch area, and not really quite known why. It's thought that Maybe they'll do that as a way to further mark their territory because foxes will do that depending on where they leave their droppings. And then it might also be that these areas are more secluded. So contrary to their mating behaviors, I guess that's not so personal enough to warrant hiding or something like that. But pooping is. They want to make sure it's more uh, secret and private. So they'll do that as a way to hide, I guess. Yeah. Um, And then moving on from defecation, actually, I found a cool thing about fox urine. Um, So in some parts of the United States, Christmas tree theft is a problem. People will go and they'll find just evergreen trees growing as decoration around town, things like that. So I liken it to Florida. We have a lot of palm trees that grow just out and about. But in other states, palm trees aren't as common. So occasionally these trees will be stolen by people at Christmas time, especially the bigger evergreen and fir trees. <laughs> and so someone somewhere couldn't quite find two, uh, but it happened in two locations, the University of Idaho and in Lincoln, Nebraska, actually decided to take fox urine and spray it around the base of the tree. Now, the thing about fox urine is that it has no odor when it's cold outside. So you could be walking around and have no. no idea that there is fox urine on this tree or anything like that. 
but fox urine actually has four really, really intense volatile compounds in it. And so volatile essentially means that whatever substance it is, is easily going to evaporate during normal temperatures. So when it gets warmer, these chemicals are going to do something a little funky. And that thing is emit <laughs> an awful smell. So when these trees are brought into people's houses and it warms up, there, the smell that is emitted from this urine is so bad, it rivals skunk smell. Oh my god. And oh my god. skunk smell is known to make people's eyes water, sometimes vomit, even if it's so intense and extreme. But this smell is so bad, it actually embeds in the fabric of people's <gasps> furniture and clothes. And at this point, there's no, no way <laughs> to get it out. So people just have to throw away their stuff. Uh, so yeah, um, in Lincoln, Nebraska specifically, they'll spray it around the trees in the Christmas tree farms before they're ready to be harvested and sold. Um, but then the University of Idaho actually had problems of their campus evergreen trees being cut down um, and stolen. So they started to do that. And my favorite thing I found about it was that in Nebraska, they have signs that say, warning, these trees have been sprayed with a chemical that when introduced to the heat of a home emits an obnoxious smell. It's fox pee. <laughs> I like the use of obnoxious and right. not, you're going to have to throw out everything in that room. Exactly. Yeah. It yeah. makes it seem so much more tame. Like, ah, that's an annoying smell. Just spray some Febreze on that. But I love so many things about this. Number one, I love that you had to explain what people may experience outside of Florida because you have been here your whole life and you know nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> Number two. years strong. Almost I, 24. I love that this does nothing to actually prevent the trees being stolen. It's just a giant fuck you if you do steal the trees. Pretty much, but they have seen a decrease in tree theft just because it is so rank and awful. And to make matters worse, some places will actually mix skunk musk with the fox urine to make it like doubly bad (laughs) this is delightful yeah so yeah yeah, you know one person is going to cut down a tree steal it and bring it inside and have this happen and then they will tell everyone Mm -hmm. what happened so yeah, yeah yeah i guess that would work pretty well this could be used for so many things now. Yeah. And I tried to look up what exactly fox urine smells like. And everywhere I found said, words cannot describe it. <laughs> you just have to experience it. Oh, no. So if anyone out there has smelled fox urine before. I am so sad I never worked with a fox. <laughs> I just more so like the idea that, I mean, when are people stealing these giant trees? How does no one notice a giant tree being cut down? Middle of the night? Yeah, but I could see the tree farms. You know, there's a lot of them. You're not going to necessarily see someone coming in. But if we're talking about, like, ones that are on a college campus or around a supermarket or what have you, people decorate landscapes with trees, how would no one notice what's happening? I mean... I feel like on a college campus, they're more likely to be stolen just for funsies. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, and on a college campus, weirder shit has happened. So, like, I feel like I would wake up, see this happening, be like, all right, yeah, whatever, and go back to bed. <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, so I thought that was interesting, definitely. Because normally these compounds can't, we can't smell them when it's cold outside, but foxes are able to. Um, it aids in that fox to fox communication. When they're not screaming, they're <laughs> smelling their excrements left all about. They use it to help mark their territory um, and things like that. So, yeah. So if you didn't have enough reasons not to have a fox as a pet, there you go. Yeah. you will need to throw away all of your possessions because they will pee on them Mm -hmm. well are you guys ready for some more horrific facts than all of that yes yeah i've been waiting since yesterday all right gather around boys and girls and non-binary kids today i'm going to teach you about infanticide oh no yep infanticide so foxes to be fair do not commit infanticide very often but It happens enough that there is significant research on it. So it happens in a lot of species where um, parents or non-parents will kill children of of their species for various reasons. Different hypotheses include predation, you know, they need food, they're hungry. Uh, Resource competition, where they want to kill the babies to remove future competitors for resources. There's adoption avoidance hypothesis where they don't want to raise the offspring of another of their species, so they just get rid of it to remove that chance. There's the sexual selection hypothesis, which um, you'll probably think of more of for lions, where males will kill the offspring of another male um, so that they don't have to raise those babies, first of all, um, but so that they can also trigger estrus in females so then they can have babies. And then there's non-adoptive hypothesis where there's no evolutionary advantage for the infanticide. Something just goes very wrong and the babies are essentially in the wrong place at the wrong time. So it does happen a lot. There was a 1998 paper in Biological Reviews that documented infanticide in 93 mammalian species. That was just in this one survey. But foxes, again, it it happens sometimes, not too often, but enough to draw the interest of scientists and utterly baffle them. In 1987, in Applied Animal Behavioral Science, there was an abstract that described foxes starting with the tails of babies. Mother vixens just started biting on the tails of their babies, just about a centimeter or two at a time, and would gradually eat up the tail until there was virtually nothing left. So they saw that And they hypothesized that it was due to stress, but they also noticed that it tended to be the same vixens who would year after year eat their babies. Not always, but often. Often enough where it warranted further study. So they did another bigger study and published it six years later. They recovered 54 baby fox bodies, and of those, 41 or 76% had been killed by their own mothers. First-time moms usually killed them quickly with a bite to their skulls, whereas uh, vixens who had previously had litters would do that tail-biting process where they just start nibbling on the tails or limbs of their babies and slowly, gradually eat them. So, again, utterly baffling scientists. Yeah, like they're just going in for the slow kill, just like, hmm, is anyone watching me do this? Just need a little nibble sometimes. Okay, but... (laughs) Now, a zoologist did observe a red fox in a managed care setting that got very stressed uh, by something and started carrying one of its kits in its mouth, but because of how violently it was running around and moving, the kit did die. So that was one instance where infanticide was observed 
in a more contained setting. So they assumed that one was specifically due to stress and that fox, once that stressor was removed, did not repeat that with other kits. Best guesses are the predation hypothesis where the foxes just want food, but they don't think it's driven by hunger because they've seen the foxes catching their own babies where they'll bury them and then eat them later. Uh, the, another theory could be resource competition where they just don't want that future um, competition for food and you know living space. But neither of these theories make total sense because for the predation hypothesis, why would you expend all of that energy to get a snack? It's very convenient that you make your own snacks, but it's not a very energy efficient way to get food. And for resource competition, kind of the same line of thinking. It's not sexual selection because foxes, as you said, mate between December to February and into March. So females cannot be forced into estrus and their estrus can't be triggered by an absence of kits. So it's not that. And it's not adoption avoidance because foxes will communally raise kits voluntarily that aren't their own. So predation hypothesis, resource competition, maybe non-adaptive where the babies were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Mothers got stressed or they got caught up in some aggressive behaviors and they just got eaten. I mean, that is one way to uh, handle the stress of being a parent, I guess, is to eat your children. Yeah, I guess I so. Eliminate the problem. Yeah. <laughs> so this all came about because I saw that uh, foxes will help take care of kids that aren't their own. But the source that I read specifically mentioned that it didn't seem to increase the likelihood that kids would make it to adulthood and survive. And I was like, well, why? Because usually communal rearing increases the likelihood that offspring will survive. That's why it happens. Yeah. So I, I did a little research on that and this, this could be a major factor. So do they, is it just the moms eating their own kits or it seems to be eat other yeah. kits? Yes, probably yeah. both. Um, but in most cases, it seems to be their own mothers who do this. And if you want to see some simultaneously horrific and adorable imagery, Google this and you'll see pictures of little baby fox kits, like little fluffy red foxes carrying the heads or legs of other baby foxes. That oh they my God. Eat. Yeah. So it's horrifying, but fascinating because we don't have a great explanation for why they're doing this or why it's triggered. And it's so bizarre that they commonly start at tail biting yeah. and slowly working their way up a tail or a leg. And it's strange too, because a lot of times during infanticide, they don't eat the baby. Like, right. And a lot of species, they just kill it. And right. Leave like it with there. lions. Yeah. And there have been instances where male lions have been observed to eat uh, the offspring, but it happens very rarely. And it seems to be more of a symbolic thing rather than anything like else for like for food yeah yeah but yeah apparently foxes also have the reputation of being baby stealers and like baby eaters mm -hmm. england and europe especially there is an increasingly common belief that foxes will steal babies out of prams and eat them now there have only been one or two documented cases of foxes attacking babies that haven't proven to be dog bites uh, in actuality once it's looked into 
Uh, but there are people who believe this and there are websites that will warn, make sure you don't leave your babies outside because foxes will steal them. And there was a horrible study that was done where someone took a dead piglet, dressed it up like a baby, and put an mp3 player and played uh, the sounds of a baby crying, and a fox came and stole it. So that was used as evidence for a long time. But of course, it's a dead piglet, which is food for a fox. So of course, the fox ate it. Yeah. And that is terrible evidence. But yeah, there is this, this reputation for foxes as being baby stealers or baby eaters. That's so sad. But also now I kind of want to see these very fluffy little baby foxes, though. Yeah. yeah before they're eaten. <laughs> yeah. No, I wonder if that has something to do with um, the idea that foxes do surplus killing. It's another thing that I found mm-hmm. talking about the gifts, because some people have seen foxes leave dead birds and dead mice um, on their doorsteps, too, kind of like cats will leave gifts and offerings so to speak we call it offerings um and then foxes also have a reputation for as you said just killing everything and all the things Mm -hmm. but it's really more related to the practice of surplus killing where food is there i am going to kill it and maybe come back for it later or they just forget because they find something else or they bury it that's also why a lot of times when foxes um get into people's chicken coops they wonder why did they kill all of these chickens but only take one or two it's because something is triggered in their heads and it says oh all this food is here i have to kill it and do something with it Mm -hmm. but then they really only eat one or two so but it's part of what makes them such good survivors too you know gather all the food while you can and store it up for later i just thought it was delightful i've never heard of infanticide in animals like that before yeah normally it's (laughs) especially for an animal because most of the time I've heard of infanticide that's related to estrus they Mm want to get rid of the baby so that way they can impregnate the female um, because that's what happens in killer whales Mm -hmm. too and different and spread their own genetics yeah but the fact that that doesn't happen it's just like for fun or I don't know well no yeah maybe predation for food maybe to remove competition like maybe they had too many kits maybe they wanted to have two to three kits but ended up with 10 and they're like what do i do with these extra babies hmm let's just nibble on a tail or two <laughs> yeah the nibbling is what gets me is it's so yeah. specific especially said it's methodical yeah methodical and after they've already tried like biting the head with the first time and then later on yeah. they end up nibbling yeah do you was there any information about how long that process takes? Is it like oh, an gosh, hour they sit there with it in its mouth? or It happens from a few hours to a couple of days postpartum. Um, I don't, it doesn't say how long it takes in this study for it to occur. It just says that it happens gradually one to two centimeters at a time until virtually nothing was left. Hmm. Always from tail end to head. Tail or limb. So they think that maybe it just starts with some more aggressive behaviors of the moms biting on the tails and limbs that just turns into tail and limb eating. Mm -hmm. But we don't really have a good explanation for this, at least as far as I was able to find. 
in any scientific literature other than the fact that this happens. Maybe, yeah, it, like they were trying to pick them up and it just went too far or just because of nervousness, they bit down too hard and things went wrong. I, some people think that like the zoologist who saw the mother running and holding her kit and then accidentally killed it. There is that theory that maybe they're just too stressed um, or there's some other factor that caused them to become very stressed or aggressive and the kits got in the way. But if that were the case in all of these, why do they take a nibble, eat a centimeter or two and keep coming back and doing that? That's the part that everyone is like, well, what is happening here? Because if they're burying their kits, okay, maybe they think they will need food in the future. They don't want this competition. They don't want to provide food for it. Um, But why are they nibbling like that? Why do they have this gradual baby cannibalism? Well. And you guys thought foxes were normal and boring. Yeah. (laughs) They're super cute, but now they're just scary. They're both. Which honestly makes them somehow even cuter. Right? Yeah, See, this is... so dainty, too. Yeah, they're so dainty and delicate. Uh, it's because they walk on their toes. They walk on their toes? Yes, they walk on their toes. That's why they're so dainty and delicate. Mm-hmm. Yep, that is really cute. But this is also why the animal world is just so utterly fascinating. Like, things can be adorable yeah. and then there are these bizarre behaviors that we have no good explanation for, and we can try to cobble some hypotheses together to explain it, but really we have no clue, and it's bizarre and fascinating and a little disturbing. Quite disturbing. So who wants to play a game? (laughs) Said Jigsaw from Saw. (laughs) Oh, dang. I haven't seen that movie, but I know enough to know that's very bad. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> that was a perfect segue. It was. So yeah, so today we have the game Fox or Fiction, where I am going to tell you about a fox in fiction, whether it's a movie or a video game. And I'm going to ask you, does this seem like something that foxes in real life do? And first one here we have, in Disney's cartoon adaptation of the classic tale Robin Hood, Robin Hood is portrayed as a red fox. Now, in multiple scenes of that movie, Robin Hood is shown climbing trees. Can red foxes in real life do this? No, but there is a different species of fox that can. Yes. And it is, like, the only canid that does it. Yes. Yep. Uh, Red foxes can't do it, but gray foxes can. Yes, gray foxes. They are one of the only canids that can do it. Uh, I saw that New Guinea wild singing dogs can do it, as well as tanukis. And it's because they have specialized claws for climbing. Oh, Oh, very cool. That's pretty cool. So if you see a fox in a tree, uh, it's going to be a gray fox. Also, you can just look at the color and tell, well, that's gray. That's not red. (laughs) Now, in Pokemon, uh, Pokemon Vulpix is based on a red fox. But in later games, uh, there's an ice-type variation on the island of Alola, kind of implying that there's some speciation going on, that Vulpix went onto the island and slowly evolved into becoming an ice type. Has this happened to any real-life fox species? I don't mean turning into a literal ice fox, um, but any island speciation events? Yes. So you've got one yes. Yes. Wasn't there a study about where um, they hypothesized there was like a 
third pole. Yes. Um, I know there is the island fox. I don't know. I was going to say yes, just because islands are one of the easiest kind of kickstarters for speciation. You just kind of put a whole bunch on an island and then they have to adapt or die and then you get a new species. Yeah, isn't that how the island fox happened? Originally an invasive species that were brought over and then they became so vital for the ecosystem that it became a whole thing that they had to protect the foxes. That is the exact example I was going to use. <laughs> is yeah, it's island foxes. Yay. Wow, you're killing this game. Look, I love foxes. I know. Well, pl- I feel like you have a little bit of an unfair advantage because you did the fox intro stuff. That helped me absolutely none for bats. <laughs> I would just like to say that. That's true. You do just really love foxes. From Third Pole to North Pole, a Himalayan origin for the Arctic fox. That was the other thing I was thinking so, of. Whoa. Yes. So there are multiple instances for what you're thinking of with this. Yeah, so I hadn't heard of that with the Arctic fox. Um, What I found with the island fox is it's hypothesized to have evolved from the gray fox that was broken off into that island habitat, like you were saying. They started off as an invasive predator and became vital to the ecosystem as time went off. All right, does that mean I have two points? That means you have two points and Emily got cheated out of the first one. (laughs) Um, But got one point for this one as well. Yeah. She also got it right. How did you get cheated out of the first one? He didn't even finish reading the question before you answered. Oh, is that And I know you told me about the climbing foxes I earlier. I so did. I knew she was cheating. <laughs> I wasn't cheating. Cheater. So this next one, I really doubt that this came up in any of your fun facts or overview okay. um, study. So I have a fair chance. <laughs> you have a fair chance. Especially since you're the one that suggested this character. Mm. So... The most famous video game fox out there is Fox McCloud from the Star Fox series. Yeah. Have any foxes in real life been sent to space? We've actually got a pause. Oh my god. Yes. <laughs> I'm gonna uh, say yes, yes because I feel like we. I know dogs have been in space, so maybe mm-hmm. they would have chosen foxes as well. Like, why not? We send everything to space. Yeah. So this one tripped me up too. The answer is actually no. Oh, okay. Whoa. Well, we have never sent foxes. Future projects. <laughs> That'll bleed into the next question. Uh, but some <laughs> other animals that have actually been sent to space include spiders, chimpanzees, tortoises, rabbits, uh, dogs, even fruit flies. Most of them did not end well for the animal. Yeah. But I did find one happy ending. There was a cat named Felicity that was sent into space for a French neurological study came back and was actually still alive and became a media sensation. It's a tuxedo cat, looks a lot like my cat. Um, So I was very happy there was a happy ending for my cat's space twin. Oh, that's great. My sister actually has a cat named Laika after the dog that was sent into space. So I, I do have a soft spot for space animals. Hey, they've also sent water bears into space. Oh, we should do an entire Tardigrades episode sometime. They're so good. Oh, gosh. You know, there's actually a hypothesis that they're not from Earth at all. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. I love them even more. Okay, we definitely have to do a Tardigrades (laughs) episode in the future then. Well, on the topic of space animals, a recent book by Jeff Vandermeer came out called Dead Astronauts. One of the main characters in it is a blue fox that has a lot to do with space and time travel. Ooh. 
And one of the big things towards the end of the story is narrating from the fox's point of view and how important the sense of smell is. How important is smell to a fox? So important. Super important. It is. It's really important. Uh, it actually does vary a little bit on distance. If they're looking for prey within the immediate vicinity, olfaction smell is going to be their go-to sense. If something is at a bit more of a distance from them, they're going to rely on things like hearing or maybe sight instead. But yeah, smell is really important for them. Well, I think that was about a draw between the both a of you. A draw? She definitely won. <laughs> but you got the same ones right. I came up with specific examples. <laughs> I wasn't just like so you're an overachiever. Yeah, no, I knew he wasn't asking for an example. He just wanted a yes or a no. Sure, and you had fifty fifty, and you're like, yeah, probably. And I'm like, yes, as a matter of fact. You know, I'm gonna <laughs> say it was a draw. At first, I was willing to concede, but now I argue that it's a draw. <laughs> no. Yep. I won the fox game. I nope. won for one of my favorite animals because nope. I know so much about them. Nope. It was a draw. It was not a draw. It was. We even got the same question wrong. That's the definition of a draw. <laughs> yeah, you both got the exact same ones right and wrong. The only difference was the first one uh, where you answered it before she could. <laughs> yeah, your answers were over embellished. They weren't over embellished. I just gave full and complete answers. Maybe it was just a true or false question and not a fill in the blank. I know you're competitive and I accept this about you. But, you know, sometimes you just got to admit that someone knows more about one kind of animal than you. Just one. You're the smartest for all the other animals, except for anteaters. <laughs> I still say it was a draw. <laughs> Fine. It was a draw. Yes. I think that wraps it up for this episode. I want to thank everyone for joining us. Uh, next time we are going to be talking about penguins. Ooh. I'm not a fan of penguins. Just let it be known. But I am. We are finally going to talk about a kind of archosaur, so <laughs> get ready for me to nerd out. Nice.